You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the darknet, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down threats and vulnerabilities and solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. As always, we are working to research and understand various adversary groups that we encounter in the wild and others talk about through the industry. That's Tom Hagel. He's a security researcher with AT&T Alien Labs. The research we're discussing today is titled XWO, a Python-based bot scanner. A piece of this is always to try and expand detections around reported adversary groups, one of which was the ROC or Iron Cybercrime Group, and we write some detections around this actor or this adversary group, as always, and some of them softer than others to try and, you know, hunt for new activity with these links to these groups. So at one point, a new file was detected, which links to back to one of our previous detections that was written to go after the Iron Cybercrime Group. And it was an interesting file because it had low global detection rates and was a, a behavior we haven't seen before associated with this group. So at that point, we really kind of dug into this file and uh, that's kind of what uh, opened the case for us. It has some relations to some other known things out there. Why don't we start there? What did it remind you of? The big thing was it looked really familiar to XBash and MongoLock. And those are two pieces of malware that have different functionality that were written by the Rocker Iron Cybercrime group. 
And you know, one of them has uh, ransomware functionality. The other one is used to mine cryptocurrency, but has ransom capabilities and so forth. But we really saw an interesting overlap in how this code was reused from Xbash into XWO, and then similar trends in terms of C2 infrastructure and, and so forth. So what does that point to in terms of who might be behind this, or, or does it point to uh, reuse of publicly available code? One thing to keep in mind is these are really just Python malware. So it's easy for the most part to go and find this code and reuse it with very little turbulence in the route of doing that. So this is why we didn't label this as high confidence association and link to those previous groups is because it is pretty easy to reuse this code. However, when you combine the code reuse with some of the trends of the C2 infrastructure, such as naming schemes and so forth, that's when we start to build a bit more confidence where we're able to say, you know, we think this is associated with those previous groups, but we can't say with the complete certainty. Why don't you walk us through exactly what's going on here, what XWO does, what it seems to be up to? I'll give you a quick understanding of how it operates first. I think we'll give you a bit a good background. So once you execute this this malware on a victim host, it immediately beacons outbound to um, some hard-coded C2 infrastructure. And that uh, C2 infrastructure immediately replies back, if it's still online, of course, with instructions on an IP range to go and scan. And at that point, the host that has executed the malware begins to use that IP range and scan it for multiple weaknesses in security. And there's quite a a variety of of options it goes after, such as just testing service availability for things like real VNC, looking for open Redis servers. It will even go through the options of trying to test default credentials for widely used services out there that may not be improved based off of deployment. So once it does that, it'll scan that entire range. And if it finds anything that is a good hit with, hey, this server has this default credential in use or anything, it'll immediately send that back up to the C2 infrastructure. So the interesting thing about this is I don't really see this as anything more than a kind of like an intelligence collection tool for the the malicious adversary at this point. You know, it's distributed mass scanning and it's looking to really identify hosts for interest in later use. We know we don't see this XWO malware trying to exploit or trying to do any sort of further compromising against these these targets. Um, that it finds, it just simply reports it back to the C2. And at that point, we think it's going to be used for later operations or attacks. And how would you find yourself having this run on your system? How are they getting in? Delivery of XWO isn't clear right now. However, based on previous campaigns from these actor groups, we believe it has something to do with open services similar to what it's looking for, where they are able to download and execute a file and then conduct any sort of scanning from that host. Uh, It's been such a small scale where we haven't quite seen it, XWO in particularly, distributed through email spam or anything on large scale quite like that yet. I see. Now, uh, they're using some encryption here to try to hide what they're up to, but my impression from what you've published here is that it's not particularly strong. Is that correct? Yeah, it's it's pretty straightforward. In terms of the command and control activity, if you're looking at network traffic, in our blog post we have screenshots of it, but they are... We're sending or receiving the, the command and control communication in an encoded method. Typical base 64 with a little bit of Zlib compression on it. And we are able to decode the instructions to show the IPs and then any sort of victim or scanning results sent back to the C2. So it's uh, fairly trivial to decode uh, exactly what instructions are being received and sent. 
Now, another interesting little wrinkle here is that the hard-coded domains that they're using for the C2 servers, they're trying to look like some other well-known domains to kind of hide themselves there? Yes, absolutely. And that's one of the interesting trends where we can start to see a little bit of an overlap with previous rock and, and iron cybercrime group history where we can kind of build some linkage. But yeah, a lot of the C2 infrastructure will start to see resembling similar security vendors or news websites with just different TLDs. You know, instead of a .com, we're seeing a .xyz or .tk. So it looks like they're trying to masquerade in some cases as legitimate domains. But if you do any sort of digging, it sticks out pretty quickly. Now, in terms of once they've sent this information that they found to the C2 server, have you been able to track any activity there? Any Anything you've been able to tie to this that one thing leads to the other? Unfortunately not. Once we identified the C2 infrastructure and scoped it out to completely understand it, uh, we contacted Cloudflare and had them taken offline. And at that point, we were, you know, just reacting to this this malware, which we can identify as completely malicious. However, any sort of instructions that those C2 servers received, such as, hey, here's a list of hosts, which may be uh, the scan results found are using default credentials. We haven't seen those used quite yet. And it's going to be pretty tricky to see exactly how those are used in the future. But based on the history of these groups and the links to the other type of malware, we estimate that this malware might be using it for future ransomware attacks or maybe uh, mining cryptocurrency down the road and using that intelligence they gained to immediately go and log into these hosts without doing any additional reconnaissance. Now, in terms of detection, are standard virus systems going to be able to detect this sort of thing? The malware when we first identified it had very low detection rates. So by now, since the, the blog has been out for a while on uh, our platform and so forth, we believe the, the rates have uh, increased quite significantly on the file itself. However, in terms of network detections, there's a lot of room for growth there. You know, there's multiple services that the malware is going to be looking for. So you can try and catch those being scanned against. However, there's not a unique profile of which services are being scanned that you can link it directly to this malware. However, you know, in terms of defense against this, relying on the basics really helps tremendously, such as, you know, avoiding the use of default service credentials and ensuring publicly accessible services and, and hosts are restricted. And if they are publicly accessible, they're, you know, up to date and not vulnerable. Those are the type of standard practices that will make this malware severely slow down. Yeah, it's interesting to me that XWO, you know, while seemingly related to MongoLock and XBash, sort of has some of the features that they have dialed back. You know, it's it's not trying to to lock up your files. It's not doing that that sort of ransomware execution. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a a good note there. The view I have towards this is XWO is a tool that they would use to scan the internet and have it okay to be caught by researchers like myself or or security vendors out there. It's okay for it to get caught because all it's doing is for collecting intelligence. And then they use that intelligence they collected to go and pinpoint the targets that they know with the additional attacks. It'll limit the scope of any sort of defense against People that are saying, hey, this is the thing that scanned me and this is the malware itself that's doing you know, ransomware locking. It'll reduce the, the visibility on the public side, I think, for that. And is there the potential here for extensibility? Could those features be added back in? Could the fact that it has hard-coded connections to the command and control servers, would it, would it be easy to extend functionality in those sorts of areas? 
Yeah, absolutely. And this malware itself, I could see additional versions of it coming out down down the road with improvements such as, you know, not hard-coded C2 infrastructure and additional modules where we start to see, you know, ransomware capabilities be added in. And that's not too different from how previous malware they've written has operated, such as XBash. It had different modules where they could add in functionality for certain things. And this could just be an early version of that coming out down the road. So what are the the take-homes for you? What what are the conclusions based on the research that you've done here? Where do you think things are headed? With XWO, I could see the malware growing into the future and adding those additional pieces of functionality. I think a, a big takeaway would be this is just an early iteration on this malware evolving. So I would expect to see new functionality being expanded on this guy. And then this attack method being used more down the road. You know, for example, have malware that's out there just doing the reconnaissance for you to use later more strategically with higher valued malware files and so forth, going after very precise targets rather than scanning the web and trying to deploy at, at the same time. So, you know, I think a big takeaway for, for anyone listening would be getting your public infrastructure scanned may have more later impact rather than just the immediate scan results. So take it to heart, find ways to do sort of correlation on this. And this is the type of activity you could run into for any later state attacks. And the defense against this, again, is a big push to stay away from uh, the defaults of public services, credentials, and uh, any sorts of accessibility online. Yeah, that's a, that's a really important point because uh, it seems like so much of what this is about is just checking for defaults. Yeah, absolutely. There's not a whole lot of, about this that is, you know, extremely, you know, zero day groundbreaking or anything like that. Uh, you know, if you stay with the, the standard practices, you can avoid a lot of stuff like this. And and this is a brand new piece of malware, you know, it's not something that's been around for 10 years or anything like that. It's still looking for those weaknesses out there that a lot of servers out there are still operating with. Our thanks to Tom Hagel from AT&T Alien Labs for joining us. The research is titled XWO, a Python-based bot scanner. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now, a message from CyberBit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need CyberBit. CyberBit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. CyberBit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. The CyberWire Research Saturday is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.